Moving our bodies consistently is an important part of wellness in general. And not so much so you can look good in a bathing suit or have six-pack abs. Honestly, how I look as a result of exercise has really moved way down the list of reasons to actually exercise as I've gotten older and also as I've managed my own health and energy levels. But moving our bodies to feel good is where it's at. Exercise is great for boosting the mood, increasing mental clarity, increasing energy levels, and so many more things. But the challenges to get consistent exercise can be pretty great. Even though we know in our heads that consistent exercise helps us to feel good, specifically when you're dealing with hypothyroidism, simply having enough energy to make it through the day can feel particularly challenging. In this episode, I have my first guest here on the podcast, Justin Geisinger, my husband. And he's not just my husband. He's a physical therapist and a movement and performance coach. He's an overall movement enthusiast. Today, we're going to be talking about how and why we should get more movement and what some of the best exercises are for people who are dealing with hypothyroidism. As always, we'll have a few simple shifts that you can do to start making impacts in this area today. Before we jump in, I want to encourage you to head over to bit.ly slash thyroid-tools to take some of the short quizzes that I've created for you to help you assess your symptoms. There's quite a few quizzes to help you check in on some of your more subjective hypothyroid symptoms that you might be having. There's also a quiz to assess your toxic load and how your liver is doing if it needs some support in gently detoxing, and also a quiz to see how your adrenals are doing. And if you're demonstrating any symptoms of adrenal dysfunction, which is super common amongst people dealing with hypothyroidism. These quick little assessment tools can give you an idea of how high on the priority list addressing these various areas of health and wellness should be. And these are all areas that are interconnected with what's happening with your thyroid. Things like liver health, adrenal health, even thyroid health, these all can impact how you're actually feeling, especially while working through unraveling your own hypothyroid symptoms in a holistic way. So go ahead and either head to the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash thyroid tools to take the quiz and see where you're at. This is also a great tool to come back to from time to time to see what gains you've made in resolving these symptoms over time as you sort of chip away and make some simple shifts in working on all these issues. Head to bit.ly slash thyroid tools to choose one of the short quizzes or all of the short quizzes that you can use to assess symptoms that are keeping you from feeling good as you move through your days. Welcome to the Natural Thyroid Fix. I'm Sarah Geisinger, a holistic lifestyle and nutrition coach and former hypothyroid mom who has reversed her thyroid disease using a natural approach to thyroid health. Trust me, I know what it feels like to move through life in a brain fog, needing a nap by mid-afternoon, and constantly be cleaning the hair you've lost out of the shower drain. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you're here, I bet you do. So if you're ready to reject the notion that this tired, hypothyroid life is as good as it gets and start implementing simple, natural strategies to live a vibrant, symptom-free life, then this is the podcast for you. Let's dive into today's show. Okay. Hello. So welcome to the podcast today. Uh, I'm excited because I have my first guest. First guest. Hello. I'm so happy (laughs) to be the first guest. And uh, I'm married to my first guest, but he's more than just my husband. He's actually has some knowledge and expertise on this specific topic, which is exercise and movement. And so when I was a college athlete, I was, you know, working out all the time at a pretty high level. 
That was a long time ago, though, and since then, establishing a consistent exercise routine has been a challenge for me, motherhood, health issues, just having other priorities. Uh, I know that story is very, very common amongst women, amongst people in general, but movement's an important aspect of overall wellness, and I'm interested in creating overall wellness in my life, and I know you are too. That's why you're here. So that is why we are talking to my very first podcast guest, my husband, Justin Geisinger. So a little intro for him. Justin is a physical therapist as well as a movement and performance coach. He loves to learn and teach people how to move well. He loves to learn about moving well uh, himself. He can get really nerded out on the research about Mm -hmm. movement and um, how it impacts our overall health and wellness. He really tends to nerd out on the research and the studies and info that that comes out on all of that. So it's not just he he does do a lot of performance coaching athletes, but he is not actually just interested in exercise for high-end athletes or like even just the super weekend warrior types. He is really interested in helping all sorts of people move better and get more movement in. And so I'm excited to talk with him about this topic specifically. Justin, can you just start out kind of telling us what your perspective in general on movement is and why movement's important? Yeah, there's two simple sayings that you hear in a lot of uh, physical therapy practices, especially ones that I've been in. I know it can get annoying, say it over and over, but movement is medicine. And another one is motion is lotion. Now, those two things really are true in helping people to move better and feel better. So, like, the idea that, you know, oh, my, my back hurts, I'm just going to lay here on the couch until it feels better. You wouldn't suggest that as being the best way to heal? You know, that's probably not the first line of defense for that. You know, there may be some better options uh, because another problem I think people have is they've heard a lot of bad things about their bodies, especially if they've had some imaging done by a doctor, like an x-ray MRI. And I've heard it so many times that I just want to shred up that image. And the doctor says, oh, this is the worst x-ray of a low back I've ever seen. Oh, these are the most arthritic knees I've ever seen. And that just impacts their, like, their, the, like, their mental perspective. Well, how perspective would that make on... you feel? Right. You know, it's like, oh. Well, I, I, shouldn't, have, I shouldn't move. I have horrible knees. Don't sneeze. Right. I could, like, make them worse. Sure. But the reality is, We are living bodies that have these capabilities of healing, but we have to utilize those capabilities of healing. So laying down long periods of time, you know, outside of sleeping, you're not really promoting blood flow. You're not promoting your body's capacity to heal. And instead, you're just kind of like keeping everything still, which that brings up another saying that I use a lot is or an analogy, I guess, rather, when you think about water, think of a river. That's moving water. That's healthy. Right? That's a healthy stream. You got lots of living organisms in there. Now, picture that like ugly little puddle out there by the end of the driveway. The stagnant this, pond. Yeah, it's got like some oil <laughs> resting on top of it. It just looks nasty. It smells terrible. You know, it's stagnant. It's not moving. That is not living, healthy water. And we want our bodies to be a similar way. Living, moving, that promotes the health and the healing. So would you say that outside of just wanting to be like super fit or have, you know, train for a, I don't know, 
some endurance event, like that exercise is important beyond the people who have those sorts of goals? 100%. And I feel like sometimes exercise and body image has been hijacked negatively because it's like there's these two extremes. Like, well, I either don't do anything or I'm going to run a marathon or I'm going to have, you know, 5% body fat for this. Why? I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, and that's not you wouldn't suggest that that be the goal for most people. right? No, no. Now, like if you have some other reason for a goal of that extremely low body fat or to run a marathon, cool, you know, go for that maybe some point in your life. But uh, especially when you're just getting started, don't go for those extremes. The, the first goal should be, can I move more tomorrow than I did today? That's good. And that is, a, I think, an important question or an important point to kind of keep coming back to is that we are not talking about exercise as being this intense thing where you're trying to, you know, cut a bunch of weight and get super in shape and be able to run however many miles. The goal is just to move more, right? Would that be a Absolutely. Yeah. Like wherever you're at, can you do a little bit more? Can we add some to that load? We don't have to do a, a couch to a marathon program or even a couch to 5K program. We're saying, like, can we just go from couch to the mailbox? Would you say that in a lot? So you see a wide range of different uh, patients and clients in your in your physical therapy work. Would you say that the majority of people are not getting enough movement, enough exercise in their days? Or are people... You know, where, where do, where, from your perspective, what's the average person looking like in terms of movement? Are they doing all right? No, no, they're, they're not. Now you got to understand I'm also having a biased uh, population here because most of the people I see are already hurt. So mm -hmm. they're probably already not moving as much. Did they get hurt because they were doing something physically active or did they get hurt because they were not now, doing something physically I active? I think that it's usually because they did something that got them hurt. But that thing was not something that would get most people hurt. And I'll use the example of unloading the laundry or they twisted their back funny uh, unloading the dishes. You know, there's <laughs> little things that they moved and it got them hurt. But their capacity for movement was already so low that that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. And here's another thought that I, I ponder a lot in every population that I've worked in. And as you know, we're traveling multiple states and seeing different people. I've always seen more desk workers and retirees with injuries than I have with more uh, like blue collar workers or manual workers. Oh, like like jobs that are requiring more of your body physically exactly you know i always thought that was odd and it's just those who move more on the job and especially in diverse ways uh i don't see them as often as people who have neck pain from working at the computer all day long mm, or low back pain from sitting for long periods of time interesting so on the by and large movement we're not getting enough movement. And I think there's probably lots of studies out there that demonstrate that, right? And, yeah. 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 There's a lot there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, you can go find that anywhere. But one study I like to point out, this is an oldie but goodie. Uh, it's from 1966 called the Dallas Bed Rest Study. And they took six men in their early 20s 
like college kids, and they put them on strict bed rest. And the studies were awful. The or the findings were awful from this. Uh, in just they three, were like they were just like healthy men. These right? are healthy men, and they wanted to see. They want to see what would be the effects, basically, on the cardiovascular system. If we said, here you go, guys, you're just going to lay in bed, watch movies, here's books, magazines, you know, you can read, do anything you want, but you can't get out of bed, okay? We're going to do this. And they found, I think it went a little bit longer than that, but the three-week mark was really important because they found there was such a severe decline in their cardiovascular capacity. And it kind of, like, dumb it down for us. What is it? You know, what's the cardiovascular capacity? So basically, it's like, can you walk up the steps and not get out of breath? Hmm. You know, their capacity to do pretty much any kind of physical activity was declining so fast just by being on bed rest. And they were otherwise healthy people. Correct. And then they did follow-up studies, I believe it's every 10 years, on these same individuals. And they found that the decline in their health was not matched at those three week, uh, at the three week mark, until they were forty years later, so they were six in their sixties. So in three weeks, they aged. What, how old? They did you basically say they aged forty years in those three weeks. Yes, were they able to regain that? Now that was going to be the next thing I was going to tell you. So they also, I want to say, maybe around the twenty year mark. You know, life got busy. They're in their forties. They're raising families. They might have been working desk jobs, whatever. But then they all got on a very strict uh, exercise plan. You know, the same people put this study together. And they found that in a six-week period, they were basically able to reverse their ages 20 years. So now here they are in their mid-40s, and they were making their cardiovascular numbers appear as if they were in their early 20s again Mm -hmm. by working on this program for six weeks. And was it some, like super intense crossfit type program no no this would have definitely predated crossfit but you know it did involve a little bit of cardio work a little bit of strength training uh and i don't think the parameters were too extreme again i don't know the exact exercises but i think it was uh a five day a week plan with roughly an hour each day did they make like other lifestyle like dietary changes or was it simply just the addition of I don't recall uh, because I was so focused on the movement aspect of it, but I know it was these people were not exercising at that time and then they did start exercising. Gotcha. And so simply by adding in a consistent exercise routine, they were able to reverse their the markers that they had of age by 20 years. Is that what you said? Yep. That was the magic pill. So six weeks. Yep. Of consistent work. Okay. It's fountain of youth right there. Movement mm-hmm. is the, there. You go. You heard it here. Movement is the fountain of youth. Yep. Um, okay. So this is this is great. I mean, and that's exciting to to see that that you can so quickly by just shifting one habit, adding in movement, that you can start to reverse all the markers of age and how you feel and all of those things. But what if you are someone who does not have a habit of exercising? at all what if you are someone that right now you're like it's been on your should do list for quite some time what are your first steps to establishing a habit of exercising where do you start great question you need to start um and one uh saying is put one foot in front of the other uh i often recommend people uh take advantage of the humble walk 
Uh, I feel like walking is overlooked uh, and, and it's super powerful. You know, can you just start logging more steps? Can you start walking longer distances? Can you park further away from the entrance to the store that you're going to? Can you uh, do an extra lap around the block just to go for the newspaper? You know, get creative. Just find a way to basically be on your feet a little bit more. Uh, I think what is the U.S. recommended daily activity is five days a week of 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, not saying that you just go from zero to that 150 minutes in a week, mm-hmm. but can you quantify it? And that way it can be encouraging yourself. I feel like uh, a lot of people think that it's boring to have objective measures and I do that a little bit too much maybe but hey if you track it and be like look I was only walking 10 minutes a day and now I'm at 15 cool Mm -hmm. it's another way of patting yourself on your back instead of having this vague well I think I did more but now you can definitively say hey look I'm doing more I'm doing more than I used to and that can be an encouragement in itself so are you a fan of things like fitness trackers, like a, you know, like a Fitbit or a Apple watches that are, that track steps and help you kind of keep tabs on it that way? Yes. If it's easy for you. Okay. For some people, technology, oh, that's going to be overwhelming. Gotcha. So just, so just having the goal of a 10 minute walk correct. is good as instead of saying, I'm going to get 10,000 steps in a day. Because to other people having that fitness tracker or that gadgety thing, that is encouraging. Mm-hmm. And that is like the motivating thing. So. Having as many um, encouraging things in your life there to help you along the way. Right. And, and fewer removing, barriers of entry. Exactly. Right. How many hurdles can you get out of the way? Mm-hmm. What about the, the, do you feel like it's important for people to set aside like a specific exercise time or to just work on increasing, like, I don't know not taking the escalator, mm-hmm. parking, you know, far away from Target and mm-hmm. walking from the back of the parking lot. Like, it, which is which is better? Does it matter? Does... Again, maybe both, mm-hmm. right? If one, yes. Can you park a few spaces away? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that was easy. Now, could you also allot maybe five minutes? I mean, we're talking small increments here. You can even call them exercise snacks. You know, if you have the time to just have an extra minute to go up the stairs, flight of stairs in your home one more time in a day. If you can go from sitting to standing 10 times instead of one time, mm-hmm. you know, what can you do to just get a little bit more mm-hmm. than what you did before? I've heard you say, talk about um, non-exercise activity. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. So how can you, again, that's like, how much can you put more time on your feet? Right. So Instead of being like sitting in your cubicle as a desk worker right. all day. Right. So instead of going to drive through for dinner, can you stand and prep a meal at home? Instead of sitting down to fold your laundry, could you stand up and fold laundry? You know, how many different ways could you change to have more time on your feet, basically? Mm-hmm. How many little things can you do on your feet when you're not sitting or lying down? Yeah. And we, we talk a lot on this podcast about like stacking habits where it's easy. You know, what yeah. are you, what are you already doing? How can you stack something on top that's going to promote um, like a healthy, simple lifestyle shift? Love it. Yeah. So. And then you don't even have to think about it because right. if it's a stacked habit, you're like, well, it's a no brainer. I'm standing here folding my laundry on Friday night while watching fill in the blank. Sure. Sure. Okay, so sometimes one of the challenges that people who deal with hypothyroidism have or or adrenal fatigue is another one is that exercise just sort of pushes them over the edge. Like they do a workout 
and then they need to take a nap or they can't recover their muscles, maybe feel sore for days. And that can be a barrier to creating an exercise routine because it feels like it costs them, costs you a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can barely make it through the day while you're working through hypothyroid issues. You know that movement is important, but you also can't afford to not have energy for the next two days or Mm -hmm. your muscles to be sore for the next two days. So what might you suggest for a person like that? How can a person like that start to incorporate movement and exercise and all the things that you're suggesting? First, I would encourage looking at the variables that you can control. Sure, there are some things that are beyond your control, but what are some things that you can do? Uh, For example, you're not going to the gym and lifting a heavy weight. Okay, good, because I can control the amount of load that I put on my body. The other thing is, are you doing the other simple things? Like, did you get enough to drink? Did you eat? Hydration's oh, wow. huge, right? right? Yeah, and yeah. The physical symptoms of, of being dehydrated. You can get cramps, achiness just by being dehydrated. So Which, again, just a quick little note: if you uh, haven't listened to the episode I have about hydration and how that can impact our, the physical aspects of our hormones and how we feel and all that, go ahead and grab that. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to the hydration episode. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and uh, I know this gets on another bigger topic i'm sure you cover this at another time but what you're eating and there was this kid at uh high school track practice uh who had just come from whataburger and pounded down like some sort of double burger with coke and fries he was talking about how his hamstrings were cramping like well i think we might be able to pinpoint a little bit more what's Mm -hmm. going on here Mm -hmm. and uh so again control what you can control sure Sure. And so I think that's a that's a great suggestion. And combine that with the idea of not maybe focusing on incorporating a, a major exercise routine, but just doing the little things like increasing your non-exercise activity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can be a great place to start. So yeah, that's super helpful. Okay. So what are the best types of workouts that we should be including for specifically for people who are maybe new to exercise or people who are struggling with low energy levels, hypothyroid issues, adrenal fatigue, those sorts of things. What are the most important things? Because we may not be able to do everything, but what are the most important, best types of workouts that we should be including? So I would suggest you consider uh, what is around you, right? Um, Because I tell this to everyone. It could be the most research-backed, greatest exercise or activity in the entire world. And if you don't enjoy it at all, you're not going to do you're it. You're not going to show up and yeah. do it. <laughs> like, for me, I really hate swimming. And if that was the only way to well, exercise... Just speaking as your wife, you're really bad at swimming. I am really bad at swimming. It's really painful to watch Justin try and swim so, laps. It's really good. He's working so hard and getting nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I am just grateful to have other things that I like to do instead of swimming. Sure. So I use that as an example, though. If you try something out and you hate it, well, don't give up because there's a million other things out there that you could try. But in general, multi-joint, multi-movement-based exercise is going to be good. Um, Also, doing something with others. So even if that is, again, just the humble walk, do you have somebody you could go walk with? Mm -hmm. And then if you can walk outdoors, getting more vitamin D. You're, now your habit stacking again. Mm-hmm. Hey, I walked outside with a friend 
in the sunshine. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, then you could maybe open up doors there to new activities. You know, (laughs) we've seen there's lots of fun clubs all over the place, Mm -hmm. whether it's the Tai Chi club, the yoga club, the archery club, whatever it is, there's lots of flavors of movement out there. Mm -hmm. So again, you find the thing that you think you might like, explore that a little bit, then maybe you add it in with somebody else. And then, and also, we're removing barriers to entry, right? So if you had to drive an hour to go do that thing, and you only kind of like it, well, then maybe you shouldn't really do that, right? What's like right outside your door that can just help you to open up more doors into that whole new world of movement? Sure. Okay, so start with the easy things. Just to to kind of nail down some some details on walking. If you're going to start a walking habit, the humble walk. Mm-hmm. Get, put some numbers on that. What should be the goals? The goal for that? A good aim. Uh, any, the, the the top goal there maybe would be eight thousand steps in a day. Okay. And that's a day, right? right? So that doesn't mean. And I'm just gonna throw out there too because Justin put a number on that. It is hard to get eight to ten thousand steps in a day if you are not going for an intentional walk. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people think like, oh, I'm be able to hit that as long as I walk to the fridge or walk down to the mailbox. But if, if you don't leave your house, it's real hard. Yeah, to, it's okay. really hard to get that number. Yeah. Uh, but just, on, just as a little mental marker so that you're not surprised. <laughs> I also don't recommend trying to get like 6,000 steps before 8 a.m. and then you'll fill in the rest, right? Especially if you're new to it. You want to try and spread that load. Mm-hmm. And if 8,000 is too much, okay, well then control what you can control. Right. Can you get 1,000 in the morning, 1,000 midday? maybe 2000 later on in the afternoon again spread that out mm-hmm. because your capacity then will be uh, greater if you can spread the load so that you don't do it all at once and then you just hate the rest of the day right um and then your the aim should be to do that every day 5 days a week what's the best suggestion i think at least 5 days a week yeah but every day is a great option as soon as you can get to that the more the better there okay great what about strength training? Tell me your thoughts about strength training, especially for beginners, especially maybe for women, people who struggle with energy. Uh, what's Give me some thoughts there about strength training. Is that something we should be seeking to incorporate? Absolutely. Across the entire uh, lifespan, you should be doing some strength training. Okay, maybe not when you're now, under are you 10 talking years like old. But... Hitting the gym and trying to become like a bodybuilder with ripped arms? Is that what we're going for? If you really wanted... But I would say you want to be, oh, here was another great shirt that I had a patient wear once, and I keep saying I want it, but make yourself hard to kill. If you are stronger, it is harder to get killed by the car that hits you, the falling off the horse, the lifting the laundry basket, the uh, infection, anything. People are just more resilient when they're stronger. So some level of strength training, I think, is super important. Uh, again, this is a relatively new thing. You know, think about years ago when we were all working on farms or in factories and things like that, and you were just lifting all the time. Now we're not putting those loads on our body, so we have to artificially put those loads on our body to keep us healthy. Uh, I think the average standard there is two to three days a week if you can get to the gym and do something like that. If you are not able to get to the gym and do something like that, uh, you can look up basic body weight exercise plans online 
using uh, your own body weight to do some air squats, Just doing, like squats and yeah, push-ups even and... elevated push-ups. You know, from a countertop or wall push-ups, mm-hmm. uh, simple basic things like that that are putting your body under a little bit of stress. You get your heart rate up a little bit, but it also promotes a little bit of a hormonal response in you. Mm-hmm. Depending on how hard you go, you get a little bit of an endorphin release, which might make you feel a little bit happier for a little while. Uh, again, and you can attract this for something objective. Can I do 10 squats? Can I do 10 wall push-ups? Now I can do a counter push-up and a floor push-up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of different ways to grade that. You can always add or take away uh, the effects of gravity on you to do some strength training. Gotcha. Good. Okay. Um, do you have any closing thoughts and before we uh wrap things up here any i it just encourage you to not give up you know it's good some days you're not going to want to feel like moving at all mm-hmm. but nearly every day after you do you don't regret it mm-hmm. so sometimes the hardest thing is getting started true which true. is another great reason if you have accountability like a friend a group that you're a part of. Mm-hmm. So then when you don't want to do it, they can check in and say, hey, are you going to come? Mm-hmm. And again, you almost never regret doing it. Yeah. All right. Well, as we as we do kind of every episode, I like to make sure that I give you some simple shifts that you can do, even implement today. Uh, just small things that you can start to shift. And these aren't going to be like the only thing. They may not have a massive impact immediately, but when we're approaching wellness from like a holistic perspective, I always like to remind you that we are, it's a, it's a puzzle piece. It's a bunch of small shifts put together over time. That's what creates ripple effects that look like wellness. And that's what we're after. And so as Justin said, the first thing is uh, that you could start doing today is find some accountability. Find a friend, right? That's mm-hmm. there's a lot or of res- spouse. Or spouse. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. In my experiences, spouses are not my favorite yeah. accountability partners, but Probably maybe that's true. not the yeah. same for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so have a- accountability, have a friend. Um, the second thing is uh you mentioned when we were talking earlier, a second thing was to have have a goal. Can you talk a little bit about that? Have Yeah. Uh kind of like what we were just mentioning there with the walking. Can I get to 8,000 steps? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I did it once in a week. Can I get it to it five times in a week? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let's say you want to hike. There's a certain spot in your town or something. Oh, yeah. I'm going to walk from point A to point B. Uh, or then maybe you want to even load that with uh, some sort of edible, scrumptious reward at the end. Like, <laughs> I'm going to walk from here to there and get that Sunday, that croissant, whatever it is that you really want. you got to walk to work to get to it and then reward yourself Mm -hmm. the third thing that you can do today is just seek to increase your non-exercise activity can you talk about why that's important justin yeah so the more time that you're spending on your feet the more durable your body is becoming uh another law uh, in the world of movement called wolf's law which shows that when you put more pressure or more load on a bone, that bone then becomes more durable and stronger, especially as we age, especially women, uh, when you're sitting more, when you're laying more, you're not having that load on you, you're uh, in greater danger of developing osteoporosis. So non-exercise activities such as prolonged standing, prepping meals, doing chores around the house, things like that, those are all things that can help to promote 
more load on your body on a non-threatening way to help you build up to the next step. So movement doesn't have to just be hitting the gym. Correct. It's important to have it just be incorporated into regular life. Absolutely. There's value in that. Yeah. Okay. And the last thing, the fourth thing um, is to give it time, develop some consistency. Oh, yes. It's so important to remember that even small changes over long periods of time can be monumental. Uh, We live in an age of uh, an immediate gratification, immediate, any return on your investment. Uh, But through most of life, the most rewarding things take time. And this is another example of that. So if you go for one walk today and it didn't feel the best, don't give up. Or if you go for a walk tomorrow and it was amazing, great, keep going. You know, every day you have to do, try to make a little bit of better change because when you, again, stack that up, you're going to have monumental rewards. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Thank Thank you you. so much for your time. Um, Pleasure to be here. Excellent. Well, there we have it. So be sure I want to encourage you to go take some of those little assessment quizzes that I have tucked down in the show notes or at bit.ly slash thyroid dash tools. Lots of different things for you to help sort through what you should be prioritizing. But regardless of which area you need to prioritize, getting more movement and exercise into your days is beneficial to so many aspects of health. So you can start working on that. I hope you are able to apply some of these things and make small shifts towards feeling healthy and good. Movement is a big piece of that. Right, Justin? Absolutely. (laughs) Movement is medicine. That's right. And I believe that when you start to make those small shifts towards feeling healthy and good, when you do it that way and you focus on doable lifestyle shifts, living a symptom-free life is totally possible. And I want that for you. Real quick before you go, if this show has helped you in some way, then I know that it'll help others too. So please head over to iTunes, subscribe, and then leave a review so that more women can find health and healing too. And did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the women who deal with thyroid issues in your circle? Yep, that's right. All you have to do is take a screenshot of this podcast, tag me at natural.thyroid.fix and post it in your stories. Let's light a path for all the other hypothyroid mamas looking for hope and healing and to just feel like themselves again. I'll look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram. Until next time on The Natural Thyroid Fix.